I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the PocketLint podcast. This week, it's all about CES and all virtual CES, in fact. And while we'd normally be recording this via various hotel rooms on the Las Vegas Strip, some of us slightly hungover maybe or overtired, jet lagged, all the other stuff. There wasn't a physical event at all this year. In fact, it's all been virtual, which has been good in some ways. I've had strong Wi-Fi and a good cup of coffee throughout the entire thing. But the times felt a little bit distanced and a little bit jaded. Well, here to talk with me about the big announcement is uh, Rick Henderson, Dan Grabham and Mike Lowe. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello, indeed. Hi, hi. Let's get started. So one of the big themes that came out of the show this year seemed to be TVs. Now, TVs is always a big theme of CES. Rick, what's really piqued your interest here from the big announcements? I think the biggest thing about TVs this year is the rise of mini LED. We spoke about it last week's podcast quite a bit because of the Samsung announcements, but also LG then came out with its whole mini LED range. And what mini LED for me does is it raises that LED TV area into a higher stratosphere, um, basically making a, a good, cheaper alternative to OLED for people who want decent pictures. Um, so that that for me was the biggest area of growth at this year's CES. Obviously, we had Samsung, Sony, LG and Panasonic all announce TVs that look absolutely stunning. One thing I would say, though, however, is that um, because we couldn't actually be there and we couldn't actually see the TVs in the flesh and nor could anybody else, um, there didn't seem to be as many TVs as there usually is at a CES. Um, it seems that uh, that they were all focusing on either one or two main TVs. And in fact, in the case of LG, um, it basically failed to mention two brand new ranges of TVs it's bringing out this year entirely. Um, it, didn't constant, it didn't really talk about its um, lower end OLEDs. And for me, that was also an exciting piece of news is that LG will be bringing out a really affordable OLED range this year as well. Now, Mike, as we go through the year looking at these TVs to review and, and see whether they're any good and up to muster, do you think it's now going to get rather confusing? You've got OLED, you've got LCD, you've got mini LED, you've got micro LED, you've got all these technologies. Do you think that's, the consumer is going to be a bit overwhelmed? I think they already could be, to be honest. You know, there's often a lot of questions about, should I get an OLED? Should I get an LCD? Should I get an LED? But actually, the LCD LED thing is kind of one and the same, but these new technologies add advances to that, but it depends really what advances they are, what people are going to really get out of them and how kind of deep their pockets are as well. Because um, one thing we didn't touch upon just then is there's, I think part of the reason ranges are kind of, they're diversifying more, but there's also fewer products is because we are really kind of hitting the upper levels of what these companies have achieved. And picture quality is pretty amazing anyway. So year on year, how much more they can squeeze out of it is perhaps getting more limited. So one jump that 
also was announced at CES to some degree um, was new 8K panels. So that kind of jump in resolution um, and what that could mean for the future. But perhaps wasn't the main focus. It was mainly Samsung that kind of pushed that angle. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, lot of terms, a lot of numbers, lots of things floating around. And uh, whether they'll remain and stick for the future, I guess we'll have to wait and see which ones really bring true benefits that people will want to buy. I suppose that's the problem, isn't it, Dan? With, with you know, the world's still refined, you know, by lockdowns and spending more time at home and we're streaming more and all the other stuff. A lot of people may have already upgraded their television to a 4K TV last year to, you know, benefit from all that time staying at home. Was there anything at CES this year you thought, wow, okay, that means everybody's going to have to upgrade this year again? Or, you know, are we in a stage where that 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 moment is, is going to wait a little bit longer? Because 8K is, is quite a way off still. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it as as Mike was saying there, it's it, it's kind of getting a lot more complicated in terms of the 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 top end um, options, um, and it it really is sort of what we're what we're seeing is is kind of we're, we're, yeah we're pushing the boundaries, but we're not pushing them as much as we pro- probably had done in the past, and sort of these companies are, are scrabbling to to sort of cope with that really, but I think. Um, certainly, you know, as Rick was saying as well, everything seemed more focused in terms of one or two ranges that, that companies were talking about this this time around. Um, and whereas usually we we have a whole splurge from each company, it did seem a lot more focused, as we'll come on to in a minute. The laptop um, announcements were not like that. They, there was a whole splurge of those. But um, certainly in, in terms of the TV stuff, it did seem it did seem more focused than it usually is. Yeah, for me, I think for me, the big picture here was that there seemed to be lots of new TVs, obviously the mini LED stuff, but there didn't seem to be, apart from LG, who talked about a, a slightly refreshed look for WebOS 6, the, the operating system that manages the TV, didn't feel like there was a huge amount of, of announcement there about how to access all these streaming services. It feels like they're just leaving them to to the apps themselves and just saying, well, we're going to be able to offer the apps, but not worry about trying to control it. It feels very different from a couple of years ago, Rick, doesn't it, where you know, everybody was like, oh, look, we've got an operating system that you must have and you must use and all the other stuff. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think uh, so many of us now completely au fait with streaming services and there's so many ways to get hold of our streaming service, services, even on the TV, such as SkyQ, even having all of the apps now, um, that uh, they're kind of downplaying their smart things. The one thing that I actually did think that they really push are pushing for t- t- uh, 2021 is gaming. That was one thing I did get from the LG and the Samsung and the Sony launches is that they're all um, adding extra features specifically, not even just for gamers, but for next gen gamers. The ones, things like 120 hertz and uh, um, a variable refresh refresh rate technology. Um, those were the things that kind of seemed to be the, the, the leaps forward from, say, last year or the year before. They're the only things. So it's quite a niche area that they're actually kind of now uh, attempting to um, satisfy. And talking of gaming, one of the big other trends this year wasn't necessarily the consoles because they obviously all came out before Christmas and still nobody could get any stock, but it was gaming laptops and laptops in general, obviously representing how we've changed as a society working from home and needing, you know, whether it's for working from home or school learning or all those things. uh, Dan, why don't you tell us a bit more about what caught your eye there? 
Yeah, so I mean, usually we get some technology announcements around laptops at CES. We've, had, you know, thinking back to the past, we've had um, Intel's Ultrabook um, announcements that meant that whole generation of new ultra portable laptops, like the Mac, like like you know, the MacBook Air class as such. Um, but this time, not only did Intel launch over fifty new chips, including uh, the Intel Core H processors for ultra portable gaming, they they also trailed um their 12th generation core stuff for later in the year which they don't usually do at cs they 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 certainly don't go as detailed as they did last time this time sorry um uh, amd launched a bunch of new processes as well and also nvidia um launched their new gaming chips for laptops so there was a there was a lot of stuff there really um, and that meant that we got a lot of device announcements this time um that were genuinely new um mm. Usually we get you know, a, yeah, a bunch of laptops launching, but but often they're based on technology like uh, from, say, the, the September, October previously. But yeah, lo- lots of new stuff. Um, you know, the, the Razer Blade 15 caught our eye. That's in our, our, one of our award winners um, for CES that, with a 360 hertz screen. Um, th- there were numerous things from Novo um, and Gigabyte as well. Uh, so the, the, lots of different companies were doing all kinds of stuff. Asus as well um, with their ZenBook Duo concept um, that they had last year. That, that they did they did have some production ones, but um, in in small quantity. But they they've got a second screen that um, that is in addition to that the the, the main screen um, and. Um, this time around, um, they've actually engineered it so it flip it, it flips up slightly, so it's more in your eye line. So it really is, um, you know, there, were, there was quite a lot of in, innovation as well this time around. I feel. Um, Mike, did you? I know you've been kind of following the laptops that's seen as well recently. What what caught your eye? Um, in the context of this show, I think it's just how much they kind of owned it, you know. Um, because CS is such a massive, typically on the ground show, you walk around these big halls and you see so much stuff that you can be distracted by some of the madness or some of the quirky yeah. and fun things. And and because it's all digital this year, that's kind of completely gone, which I think is a bit of a sad thing. But it's almost refined the focus to be kind of a bit more pinpoint. So all these companies are releasing stuff that people particularly this year are probably going to be really keen to buy i.e mm. laptops gaming laptops and kind of in among that laptops for creators as well um and as dan's highlighted there's a lot of hardware that's been announced that's going to power all of this um i think one of the biggest shifts that i've spotted is a couple of years ago you wouldn't have really spoken about laptops that had amd inside now that seems to be quite prevalent and i think it's uh, a bit of a step change showing that they might have the upper hand against intel in the in the near future i can see that intel's fighting back but in a way it just spells out a really good future for what we can all expect from machines across the board from from mid-level to high level there's just a lot of kind of quite extreme power available to to users so it, it looks all good really across the board and uh I guess CES is an unlikely event for it to be highlighted, but that's kind of what's happened this year. It's become, in a way, like the the gaming laptops launch site, really. 
the 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 processor wars as as such are are going to be the most interesting thing for ne- the next year. We've spoken about this before on the podcast, but certainly um, when we talked about it in the context of Apple Silicon, but certainly um, AMD are definitely coming up. Um, uh, Intel are struggling from you know they they've got competition from all sides. They're struggling um, in terms of getting their manufacturing processes sorted out, whereas AMD already seem sorted and are powering on and you know i think the strength of what they're offering at the moment was shown by the fact they had microsoft turn up to their keynote and say how well they were doing effectively um and you know there's there's quite a few surface devices that are powered by amd now and the rumor is that the all of the surface laptop fours that are coming out later this year will be amd powered as well so you know that's that's quite interesting and then you've got um the arm arm chips that are appearing in pcs more and we had quite well, we had several um snapdragon based launches well qualcomm snapdragon based launches like the the novo idea pad um and there's um hp dragonfly stuff as well so it it, it definitely that this area is hotting up you know the, the the competition between between the different um platforms is definitely there and will continue to grow and i suppose that's the problem for intel isn't it that you know while Apple MacBooks aren't necessarily, you know, the be all end all of, of the laptop industry, they are an, in, an industry influencer. And if they can prove that they can do it, then AM, you know, other manufacturers might say to AMD, well, actually, it makes more sense to put you in our, our, our devices instead of Intel. And then suddenly doubt creeps in and then that kind of travels through to suddenly Intel really struggling. And you've seen that this week as well with you know, the confirmation that their CEO is is out, he's been booted. They brought back an old uh, an old store from Intel for a number of years back into the, that was left back into the role in an attempt to try and rejig and, 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 and redo that. Did we see anything from, you know, sometimes mainly normally at Computex, which is kind of in June in, in, in Asia, we normally see some weird and wonderful designs on the laptop front. Did we see anything like that, Mike? Um, nothing too wacky, to be honest. There are a few sort of special editions. If you step just outside of laptops, then there's one thing that does stand out, actually. It was um, Lenovo's Yoga AIO7, and that's all-in-one. So it's basically like, um, you know, your, your desktop all-in-one PC at home. But you can spin the screen around, because why wouldn't you want to do that? So you can have portrait, landscape, um, and it might sound a bit bonkers, but actually, if you're, say, like a coder, or you're reading long documents or whatever, then there's actually some kind of logical sense in it. I think that was probably one of the few kind of really standout products that, that really stood apart for being uh, more unusual. But other than that, laptop-wise, I think the form factors really, they're, they're getting more and more refined. They're getting more focused on you know just things they have to do, like exhausting heat um, and just making battery life as, as best as it can be but perhaps not in as kind of weird and funky ways as, as has been seen in the past yeah no one came, no one came with any really wacky stuff did they because they they hope that that will be safe for computex or whatever else might happen later in the year when they can actually show it off properly i guess on a show floor just, just saying i miss i think rick was going to say the same thing just kind of miss the the wacky stuff you know it's um I'm not saying it's boring because there's been some amazing stuff, but it just doesn't feel quite the same. 
and uh, a good dose of the bizarre is, you know, a bit missed. And a bit I was also going to say that um, in gaming laptop terms, um, the lack of wackiness was actually quite telling. In, um, I, I think it was, I can't remember which Acer it was that you uh, you looked at, Mike, but oh, yeah. it looks like a normal laptop, yet it's a gaming laptop. So, and, yeah, it's the and Predator that, Titan 300, and it's designed exactly for that reason, as you say. That, for me, was was quite telling that I could carry around a laptop that doesn't look like a teenager's bedroom that still has really good gaming properties. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a shift. It's um, it's the first 14-inch um, Acer Predator they've ever made, so it's a bit smaller. Uh, it's kind of dressed up in silver, but not crazy. You know, it's, it's quite subtle. It looks like you could rock up at the office with it. Um until you turn on the RGP keys anyway. <laughs> yeah. Now, talking of wonderful, weird and wacky, normally CES is awash with crazy stuff that the majority of the big broadcasters and media outlets are desperate to cover because they look great on TV. I'm thinking in previous years, like a belt that loosens when you eat too much at dinner or a toothbrush that always tells you that you're brushing your tooth incorrectly or, or what have you because it's got some... Bluetooth sensor, or just random things that you wear or put in your head. We didn't necessarily see that this year because uh, you didn't have that moment of sort of walking the halls to find that crazy stuff. But also because I think it feels that people are just knuckling down and actually producing stuff that, as we say, works and does a job rather than allowing to be sort of out there and, and weird and wonderful. That said, it wasn't just a show about TVs and laptops. So let's go back to you, Rick. What kind of caught your eye outside of that that sphere well for me um there was a the, the most remarkable thing about ces this year is that it was a relatively relative lack of audio product so i'm going to nominate an audio product that that caught my eye that i thought was particularly um uh, astonishing was the samson hwq 950 surround sound system now it's not it doesn't look wacky it doesn't it's you know it's a typical um, sound system with a sound bar and a subwoofer and two wireless rear speakers, but it's eleven point one point four channels, and that makes me. Okay. I I was under the impression that home cinema was sort of like on the decline that people were more than happy to have um, virtual surround through a sound bar, whereas this goes all out with just entirely enveloping you with um, with sound, thanks to uh, the rears having both up-firing and side-firing channels. So um, so you can't get away from the 3D soundscape that, that this uh, will provide, and I can't wait to hear it. There you go. And uh, Dan, what did you see that caught your eye? Well, Samsung again, I mean, like, they... We've seen robots at CS many, many times. You know, they they're they're not everywhere, but we we've seen you know quite a few home helpers as such. But Samsung had had one this time called Bot Handy, interesting name, um, which <laughs> basically picks up objects. Now it's it, obviously it's a it's a prototype. It's not coming to stores next year or anything like that. But it and it and it is massive, but it can. Um, you know, it can pluck stuff out of the dishwasher or load it. It can pick up a, a, a it can pour a glass of wine. Um, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, it 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 just shows the kind of con, kind of direction we're heading, and that uh, the reason 
I guess why this is noteworthy was because it was the only the only one. Whereas you know normally like we've had LG for example had several sort of home helper robots and commercial sort of robots a, a couple of years ago. Um, but they, but we haven't quite seen one that's that had that's got this level of dexterity. And I, I think that's why it was interesting, really, as well as the name. My only concern with that, and I saw the video of this handy. It, they seem to have a, a, an entire kitchen sink full of rubbish that like dirty plates that they were then unloading from the sink into the washing machine, into the dishwasher. And then if you looked at the rest of the flat that it was in, it was immaculate, like yeah. so clean. And you can just imagine like no family would keep their whole house that clean and yet just chuck everything in the sink for this one robot to come and pick out and, and, and do that. It Definitely. also kind of reminded me a little bit of that robot that was in Rocky, like what in the ni- like 1981 or whatever, whenever it came out. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, you know, the, the drinks, you know, just running around was in like, the, you know, the drinks machine kind of thing i you know it's do we think i think robots are certainly coming i say i think it was last year or the year before that lg went crazy with and samsung went crazy with with robots of all shapes and sizes didn't they to do stuff there didn't seem to be many vacuum cleaners either this year although i did notice one that could detect when a dog had fouled to your carpet and therefore didn't run over it yeah that was that was that was a samsung one as well the jetbot 90 ai plus um yeah. which i mean is is a it does look like a quite a decent robot vacuum cleaner but as mike was pointing out yesterday isn't groundbreaking as such we, we didn't see we haven't seen vacuum robot vacuum cleaners is a, is, a, is a really interesting market so they we keep on having robot vacuum cleaners coming out um and there was a new irobot one with a i think a 60 day they said i don't know what the actual capacity was but a 60 day dirt bin that you have against your wall um, but the kind of innovation in robot vacuum cleaners has sort of stalled a bit, I think, in the in 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 the last couple of years. Um, you know, we had we had the new Dyson one last year, but it actually wasn't anything groundbreaking at all. Okay. Maybe it needs lidar detectors and all the other stuff. A bit of autonomous car, all that autonomous car money that's being spent. Maybe they just need to put that into into robot vacuum cleaners. So, Mike, what what caught your eye? Um. Fun enough, it's actually nothing that's on our awards list because it's a bit of a concept. So Razer, the, the gaming brand, made a, uh, a gaming chair um, called the Project Brooklyn. And it's basically this carbon fibre gaming chair that has a 16-inch wraparound OLED screen in front of it. And it's got haptic feedback, so of it kind of nudges you and, and you know makes you feel like you're actually in the game. Um and that is perhaps more towards the end of wacky and uh, a bit more exciting. But actually, Razor being Razor, I bet you they would have made one and it would have been on the show floor and it would have had a massive queue for people wanting to use it. And uh, that's kind of indicative of, of what CS should be for me. But in a way, perhaps it points to the whole robot conversation. We, we seem to be kind of approaching this position where we can't leave the house we've got robots doing everything for us and we just sit in chairs and play games so uh it seems like quite an apt product yeah and i think i, th- I think the, un- the other interesting thing was it, it didn't make too many headlines there was the arlo touchless video doorbell kind of was seemed to be the tip of the iceberg but there did seem to be quite a few tech companies trying to deal with this ideology of how do we not touch things or keep things clean you know, like UV robots that would go into different places and 
and, and things like that. So my inbox seems to have been filled with that. You know, the idea of, of not touching a doorbell and therefore passing germs on seems, you know, quite logical now. And But at the same time, something that you could probably do with a software update to most doorbells, Rick. Yeah, indeed. I actually immediately, as soon as I read about the Arlo vi- touchless video doorbell, I immediately thought, well, why can't my ring do that anyway? Because whenever anybody steps onto my drive, it chimes me. So typically, you know, that could surely could just be a software update. Um, the uh, But it's a good one. I mean, <laughs> you know, no, no word of a lie. It'd actually be quite a good way of alerting you without anybody needing to actually knock on your door or, or press a button. Um, and the other thing, the last thing I think uh, that piqued my interest was the uh, Razer um, smart mask, which could um, help mm. us get out of this mess in the first place uh, in the fact that it's also got Bluetooth headphones capability within your mask. I wonder also if part of the, um, not, not lack as such, but there weren't, there weren't too many products that push forward this idea of non-touch and cleanliness because I think we're just all a bit bored of it. So I think most of the products were really focused on kind of individual situations where you want the best that you can get or, you know, the best vision of the future that you can have, be it playing games or watching, you know, the best box sets or whatever. And I think that kind of more positive outlook seemed to be, I think, what dominated overall because it's just getting a bit laborious now, isn't it? So like kit that does what you want and is exciting is kind of more where the focus perhaps was. Maybe next uh, CES, if we do manage to get everybody vaccinated in time, um, will be more about touching each other as much as possible. <laughs> that sounds like a whole different wow, show. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I suppose, you know, you kind of answered it with things that piqued your interest, but of all of the stuff that we've talked about today and maybe some of the stuff we haven't, if I could be Santa Claus, let's fast forward to Christmas 2021 already. Um, if I could be Santa Claus and say you can have anything you saw, but only one thing, what would it be, Rick? Um, for me, it's, it's something that we haven't really talked about an awful lot. It would be um, Samsung's micro LED TV, which it kind of announced before CES, but sort of dwelled on a little bit more um, purely because not only is it a, a fantastic TV technology, they've got 110 inch brand new version, but it's uh, $150,000, it's rumoured. So uh, I'll have that, thanks. Dan? <laughs> also on the tvs i i i'll go for one one of sony's oleds i'll go for the the xr a90j snappy name again and mike um it's funny isn't it because we're all going to say roughly the same thing here <laughs> as much as we've got a list of gaming laptops and soundbars and robots and whatever i've got a great telly in my house it's fine but i would much rather have an even bigger and better one so yeah i would probably be on board with uh, the samsung but for for the sake of diversity um i could quite happily settle on uh, maybe the sony master series bravia the z9j which is their 8k led so also rather expensive i'm sure it comes in massive sizes and uh, would fill out my new living room rather nicely see i'm going to go for completely opposite way and hope that they're listening and therefore perhaps send me one you can find the address on the website if you want to do that um and there was a new prototype device called cold snap which was an ice cream maker that kind of worked in the same way of like nespresso pods and so you just get the the pod at the ice cream pod chuck it in the machine press the button and you've got like mr whippy 
soft scoop, you know, 99 flake style ice cream in a bowl, ready to eat. That's just sounded like a very easy approach to uh, to eating. Sounds ice cream, amazing. Bowl, like, yeah, sounds brilliant. It did, uh, it did sound really good. I think that that's probably the the slightly quirky but practical thing of the show, really, isn't it? That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. <laughs>